0: Praise God. Take your Bibles. I'm going to go right in, and I'm going to start in Hebrews chapter 4. Now, you're going to have to, I want you to ask God tonight, you know, it's not just a sermon that changes, in fact, it's not a sermon that changes our heart, but Revelation. And um, I want to talk to you tonight about, about your faith, you see, your faith when you know how to believe, your faith becomes, oh, you become undeniably persuaded. Everybody say, undeniably persuaded. I mean, no one and nothing can persuade you otherwise. And so uh, Hebrews chapter 4, let's go there quickly. Hebrews 4. And I don't know if I have a chance at the end to just throw a little bit of my testimony in, but I'll try. Now, this is Paul teaching. You know, uh, I am totally persuaded that most of God's people do not know how to get into his presence. And Paul says here in, in verse 1, let us therefore fear, or let us therefore become Highly concerned. Lest a promise left to us of entering into his rest. That's Scott. The name Scott is in my mind again right now. Scott. um, He's either involved in a company that sells pipes or he's a plumber. Huh? And you know, God, this has happened to me four or five times before. uh, Is he involved in plumbing? He's a plumber. You know, uh, at the end of the service, I want you to come and I uh, want to share something with you, okay? Let us therefore become highly concerned, lest a promise left to us of entering. That's the key word, enter. Everybody say enter. Lest the promise of entering any of you should seem to come short of it. And then he goes on to explain, and he says, for unto us, well, let me skip those, and he says that um, uh, in verse 4, where he speaks in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise, and said, God did rest. God rested the seventh day from his works. And then verse 10, he that is entered into his rest, he also hath seized from his works. I think there's a lot of things, there's a lot of things that we have in the church that uh, is not necessarily what God wants us to believe. I hear too many people, you know, uh, uh, constantly Uh, overwhelmed by the thought, for example, of the devil. You know, if you're a child of God, you are not, your life is not up to what the devil wants to do to you. When you're a child of God, the Father takes responsibility for you. Come on, can I hear an amen? amen? The Father takes responsibility. Unless obviously if you live outside of the father's protection. But you must understand that once you can comprehend what the father is doing, you see, the devil, if I want to bring him into the equation here, his work is an ongoing work. You know, the father's work as is a completed work. You understand? the father don't do nothing you don't have to tell the father to do anything anymore because he rested from all his works you see man when man works when man the way that man looks at things man looks at things on a straight line okay and the straight line has your beginning and it has your end and in between you have all these things happening and so your vision is that way. That's why oftentimes when, when people have, you understand, if you could look this way all the time, your faith would be much bigger. Because then you'll know, oh, wow, you know, it's like, how many, how many of you have said, man, if I could just have my life over again? How many of you have said that before? You said, if I could just have my life, if I could just have another opportunity over again. But you understand, God doesn't work like that. God doesn't work in a straight line. God works, whenever God works, God works everything He does. He works on the wheel. He works on a circle. Now, I'm just laying, you know, a foundation here so you can get this. And I hope you can just key in very quickly to where I'm at. Don't have time to lay too big a foundation. Everything God did then is the beginning and the end. Everything is inside the wheel. It's not, well, when we get there, we'll make a plan. God already made a plan and the plan is complete. Amen. So he knew, uh, he says, I knew knew Jacob when he was still in the womb of his mother. God knew you before you were even born. Come on, can I hear an amen? amen? And so God doesn't have to come up with emergency measures now because Satan has done something unexpectedly. If you are on the wheel... The problem is when you get off of the wheel. You see, if you're on the wheel, that means that God is working on you. That's Jeremiah 18. So, whenever Jeremiah said to God, Let me know how you work. God said, You want to know how I work? Go down to the potter's house. So he said, I went down to the potter's house, and there he was working on the wheel. See, it's God sent him down there is said, this is the principle. Everything I do and everything I've ever done and everything that was done and everything that still will be done is done on a wheel. It goes and it comes, and it goes and it comes. It's also called seasons. It's also called generations. Everything is in a wheel. It turns all the time. Because you see, on the wheel, that's where God works in you. So, if you're on the wheel, you're either on the potter's wheel, or you end up on the potter's field. See, the potter's field, that's where the rejects end up. People that that the potter can no longer work with. But as long as you say, God, work on me. So instead of when something happens to you, instead of saying, "Whoa, the devil. And why don't you just say, thank God. He's working on me. I don't understand it, but very soon the wheel will turn and then I will understand because I know in whom I have believed. He, I, my life rests in the hollow of his hand. Come on, give God a praise offering. That's how it works. And so Paul is saying, Paul is talking here about, he says, the, the idea is to enter. You've got to enter. Everybody say enter. His rest. Everything God does is three-dimensional. Say it with me. Everything God does is three-dimensional. And God is always and only found in the third dimension. God is not found in the first and the second dimension. Man is in the first and the second dimension. God is in the third dimension. There's many examples in the Bible. For example, he holds before us righteousness, peace, and joy. Righteousness, is God in righteousness? No, God is righteous. We are in righteousness. He declares us to be righteous. Is God in peace? No, we are. God gives us peace that passes understanding. Is God in joy? Yes. In his presence, there's fullness of joy. God is joy. In 1 Corinthians 13, he holds before us faith. Come on, help me out. Hope, come on louder. Faith, hope, and love. Is God in faith? No, you are in faith. God doesn't have to believe, you understand? It's just amazing. Once you understand what faith is, faith is knowing of what is already done. Now, he's the one that did it, so he doesn't need faith. He knows what he's done. Hope. Oh, Is God in hope? No, you are in hope. Is God in love? Yes, God is love. So I'm, I'm just giving you a few examples. Jesus said, "I am the way, the truth, and the life." See, you're in the way, and and uh, uh, you know He's the truth, and then life is He in life? Yes, He is life. And so I'm giving you a few examples so you can understand. You've got to come to a place where you say, "God, help me to enter where You are." Not just enter where the promises. Uh, is, is being kept to us. But God, let me come into a place where I can really touch you. I can feel you. So many people only feel devils. We're children of God. We're supposed to go right into where He is. But oftentimes people don't. And in the Old Testament, once again, God gave different examples that Paul called Paul called them um, me see Is this thing to be shaken shadows he calls them shadows everybody say shadows he said he showed us things that in the old testament were shadows of things to come okay so here's one of the shadows now by the way what is a shadow if you look at my shadow what does the shadow tell you shadow tells you that I exist. So if you see the shadow, that's not really me, but it speaks of something that exists, not something that's still going to come. It's not that shadow doesn't speak of somebody that uh, still is in South Africa or in, uh, you know, Timbuktu, but it speaks of somebody that is here. So if the Examples in the Old Testament were shadows of things to come. That means that even in the Old Testament, that which was still to come is casting the shadow there in the beginning. Namely, it already existed because you understand, we're talking about the wheel. So even though you didn't see it, and I'll bind this together here in a minute. Uh, even though you don't see it, it doesn't matter. It exists. Are you with me? You know, I'm, I'm trying to do, you know, a miracle here tonight to really do this in a small uh, amount of time that I have. Here's the tabernacle in the, in the Old Testament. Tabernacle in the Old Testament is exactly what we're talking about. Remember what is the key word? Everybody say it loud. Say it loud. See, that's the key word. The key word is to enter. Now remember, everything God does is three-dimensional. So it's the first level, second level, third level, or first dimension, second dimension, third dimension. And we know that if you look at the, the tabernacle in the Old Testament, this, this, this area was called what? The outer court, right? And this area was called? The inner court or the holy place. And then this place was called? The Holy of Holies. Where was God? In the Holy of Holies. He's in the third dimension. And so, uh, in this area here, in fact, every one of these have in themselves three dimensions. And so, before you can go to another level, you have to first uh, exhaust or max out where you are. We're looking, we're talking about finding God. So, you've got to max out first. So, first dimension, you've got to enter. Second dimension is the table of sacrifice. Second dimension. I mean, that's the second dimension. Third dimension is? The brazen laver. That's where the priest, before he could go in there, he had to get himself washed. This area here, this is where they got rid of, I mean this whole area, they got rid of things. That's where they got rid of sin. So I call this area the toilet area. Excuse my expression. So this is the toilet area. We have an adopted boy. Man, I tell you what, up until about the age, age of nine, he was fascinated with toilets. <laughs> We'd go into the nicest places somewhere in the world, and as soon as we sit down, he'd say, Dad, is there a toilet here? <laughs> and I know, he'd just been to a toilet. I asked him one time, well, "Yeah, wh- what, is, wh- what do you want to see toilets for? Look at the menu. What's what's so fascinating about toilets? I I just want to see what they look like. Many people are satisfied to just hang around the toilet area. (laughs) Getting rid of stuff all the time, all the time, all the time. And if you don't preach, there's many churches, especially up there in the Bible Belt, if you don't preach repentance all the time, they don't think you've preached the message they love the toilet area my son's healing came when we were when we went overseas and we're flying and we just got up in the air and they started starting to serve food and he sits next to me in the window he says is there a toilet here (laughs) i said yeah they have nice toilet but this is an old airplane the toilets are outside Healed him. So, Pastor Stormy, here's what people do. They come. Because you understand, on the outside here, uh, if you've ever seen a schematic of what happened uh, in, the, uh, in the Old Testament, this was the camp out area. They're not anywhere near God. Now they want to go to God. Because you understand, in those days, only the priest and the high priest could go there. But today, Paul is saying, it's open for us. And so what they did is they come in, and this is what they do today, they come in, they get rid of stuff by the uh, altar of sacrifice, and they come here to the brazen labor, that's the uh, a place where we get sanctified, and then come out there again. And this is all the place they ever know about church, just like that, never go anywhere. Paul says, let's therefore fear, be concerned, lest the promise left us of entering, we seem to come short of it. And so what we're going to do is, we're going to cut this one out, and go further, go into the second level, on on our way, to finding God, because you understand, that's what it's all about, is to find God, and let the supernatural become normal. Because you see, when you're, when you're just in the first level, the second level, there's no supernatural. Supernatural happens when you come in the presence of God. That's where healings take place. That's where gifts, the Spirit take place. Now I hear her name again. Ramona. Is there a Ramona? Her husband is her? Huh? Oh, see. Does her husband have a goatee? I want to pray for her at the end. You know, what is happening is people don't see the supernatural because they don't go where God is. Now, people will tell you, well, God is everywhere. You know, we're not talking about the omnipresence. We're talking about the un-me- presence, where all of a sudden, whoa, you can hardly stand. I know some of you have been there, where all of a sudden, Pastor Stormy was telling me about some meetings here most recently, where the power of God comes. We should have that almost all the time. Hmm? The supernatural now that comes with, I have a set of tapes on there that I teach on the pearl of great price, Hmm. But Jesus says, the kingdom is compared to a merchant man seeking goodly pearls. His quest is for goodly pearls. What is a goodly pearl? It's the ordinary and then when he found a pearl of great price, what is a pearl of great price? That's the extra ordinary. He sells out. Don't you know that our nation needs the real supernatural, not gimmicks, not just somebody's charisma, but a real touch from God. But what they do is they, they go almost there. Now you go many churches. Well, we're now going to the second level. And once again, there's three dimensions. You come to the first table. What's that? That's the table of showbread. What is that? That's the Word. So they get into the Word. And then you get to the second, second dimension, and that is the candelabras. That speaks of what? The Holy Spirit. Many people are absolutely fascinated with... The baptism in the Holy Spirit. And I am due. But that's not all. That's only the beginning. It's only God giving you just a, a little foretaste and say, come on in. Come on in. You don't have to just have it one time in your life. You have to get to a place where all of a sudden, my God, He wakes you up in the middle of uh, middle, uh, the wee hours of the morning and He starts communicating with you. And all of a sudden you feel raptured in His presence. You wake up in the morning and you're not the same. You'll never be the same again because now you taste of that supernatural presence of God and you become addicted to it. Come on, give God a praise offering. You become addicted to it. And then over here. You have the third dimension. And that's what? Table of incense, right? That's worship. And prayer. Worship. Everybody say worship. worship. Not praise. A lot of churches is going to a sing-along. I go to... I go to uh, churches, and I'm telling you, I'm so sickened by the stupidity of their actions. Where they'll sing, and all of a sudden, they strike the note where they can now enter. But because they still have 16 choruses, they will now pass that moment. And I mean, even if the rapture takes place, they're going to sing the rest of the 16 choruses. The whole purpose of singing is to lose yourself and then get to a place where your spirit now worships. Hmm? And so when you get here, at this point, worship opens the door to the third dimension. But what people do, once again, is they go here and they visit there and they come to praise And that's all they ever do. And it's the same thing over and over. And they don't know God. Hmm? So may God help you that you say, God, I want to cut that phase out. I want to go right into where you are. Come on, give God a praise offering. I want to go where God is. Say it with me. I want to go where God is. My God, I want to go where you are. Put your hand up. I'm not done yet. But just put your hand up and say, God, I want to go where you are. My God. Because you understand when you come where God is, everything else fades in the distance. Wow. Now here in the... third level of the third dimension. How many dimensions are there? There's three dimensions here. There's three dimensions here. How many is there? Come <laughs> on. Come on. Three? How about one? You go in there and all you find is one artifact. It's the Ark of the Covenant. If you want to know more, when you get into his presence, you want to know more, you got to open the lid. Because in his presence, if you want to know more, you need to seek revelation. Because you understand, you've got to go. Once you open the lid, there's three dimensions in there. That's the rod of air. That's the pot of manna. And that's the, 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 uh, the tables of the law. But you've got to open the lid. See, the things that I'm teaching here, uh, it's only for those that are hungry. Those that says, My God, I want to go to the next level. See, so once you go to the next level, because you understand, and you go inside there, uh, what, you, what you become aware of right now is God is all in all. That's why there's only one artifact. He's everything. But there, God tells you, open the lid. You open the lid. That's open revelation. Hmm? That's the sword of the Spirit. Huh? <laughs> wow. The sword of the Spirit. That's, that's Ephesians chapter f- uh, uh, 6 and verse 17. Take with you the sword of the Spirit. Which is, which is the word of God. Now, you've got to read it within the Hebrew context. Take with you the sword of the spirit, which is the rhema of God. Not just the word, but the rhema. Hmm? Because you see, once you get there, once you get into the rhema of God, Everything changes for you. Now, it's not no longer just doctrine. Many people get stuck on doctrine. You know, how dumb can you be and still breathe? <laughs> I mean, honestly, you know, let's get away from just doctrine. Doctrine is important. We've got to have doctrine in the church. We've got to be like-minded. But you've got to ask God, Lord, give me a revelation. That's... That's Isaiah 60. Remember Isaiah 60 and verse 1? You remember that one? You do? What does it say? Arise and shine for the glory of the Lord. Who? Arise, shine, for the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. Come here, Ramon. You know, how many times, how many times have you been in a situation where situations, circumstances, call it the enemy if you want to, knocks you down, go and lay down, knocks you down. And then the word comes, arise. You see, that's easy. Down again. Arise. Down again. <laughs> it just seems like that becomes the pattern of many people's lives how about putting an end to it yes. arise yes. and shine yes. say arise. Arise. arise arise see he knows how to arise <laughs> look at them now shine <laughs> shine see that's the part we don't know that's the part that puts an end to what's going on in your life how many more times do you want to get knocked down before you put an end to it that's the sword of the spirit which is the word of god arise shine what a shine you know how do i shine thy word is a lamp unto my feet your word That's not just your word. Your rhema becomes a lamp unto my feet. Go down. All right. I mean, knock down. Now, before you rise up, before you rise up, while you're still there, you get in the presence of God. God, give me a word. Lord, when I get up, this thing ends now. Give me a word. God, give me breakthrough. In this service, there are some people here sitting, you need breakthrough. And so what you've got to do is you've got to say, my God, before I get up this time, give me a, a, a revelation. Now arise. And when you rise up, you come a- against the enemy with a revelation from God, a rhema from God, and it puts an end to it. Come on, give God a hand of praise. Glory to God. That's what it's all about. So we're talking about entering. Entering where? Entering into his rest. When you go into the third dimension, God is not there with a very busy agenda. He's resting. He's done it all. Look at the person next to you. Come make eye contact. Tell that person. Say, you know what? you can act so pitiful sometimes <laughs> <laughs> you know we do that sometimes you know you you want uh, uh, you want to you, you know make other people feel oh you know how how terrible my life is no isaiah i mean psalms 118 let the house of jacob say your mercy endureth forever let the house of Israel say your mercy endureth forever it's from everlasting to everlasting amen entering into what he has already done okay now let me tie it all together Genesis 2 go there give you a revelation show you how God works and how he works still. How God worked and how he works still. Where's your Bible? Home. Your turkey lips. <laughs> it's supposed to be here. This is where we get revelations. Genesis two. Let's pick it up in verse four. These are, the what? The generations. Say generations. generations. There it is again. You see, these are the generations. What is a generation? It's a wheel. Now, you see, that's why they don't have their Bibles, because you're reading it from the wall. Oh <laughs> 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 well, Yeah, phone is okay. But not the wall. The phone can go with you, not the wall. (laughs) These are the generations of the earth in the day that God made the earth and the heaven. Generations, that's the wheel. See, everybody say, the work is finished. And the day that God made the earth... And the heavens, maybe the other way around. This is the history or the generation of the heaven and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Look, you see there's a comma. Now show me verse 5. See, and it goes on. See, that's what is wrong with the wall. <laughs> Who's got a King James? You've got that? Read it. Just stand up. Read verse Verse 4. Yes, first. This is the history of the heavens and the earth. Yes. When they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Carry on, verse 5. And? Before any plant of the field was in the earth, and before any herb of the field had come. Now, listen, listen, listen. Okay, this is the history of the Earth and the day that God made the Earth and the heaven, and he made listen to this. He made, he made every plant of the field before it was on the Earth. <laughs> you can be sit down, thank you. He made every plant before it was on the Earth. And then he made every herb before it grew. You understand? We're talking about a wheel. See, it's all done. Everybody say, it's all done. All you're going to do is just show up and get it. Now, why has it not grown? Look at the verse. Why has it not grown? It had not yet rained. Why has it not yet rained? Because there's no man there. See, that's the principle that goes through the entire Bible. The rain will come. The plants will grow. God is just waiting for man to show up. Enter. Just enter. You <laughs> So when you enter where God has already completed the task, the results will Be there. (laughs) Are you getting it? So he made it before it was. He made it before it grew. So all he's waiting man to show up. It's just like that still today. Your healing is already there. Your college tuition. It's already there. Everything that you need. Brother Scott. (laughs) It's already there. All you need to do is just find it. Look, you found your wife. She was already there. All you need to do is find her. Amen? And so when you get into that revelation, you understand. Then I say, my God, now I understand. Your rest is that everything I need is already I may not have it yet, but it is already. Say it. Uh, it is already. Let me give you another one. Go to Isaiah fifty-three. Uh, the, uh, the the wall man. Go to Isaiah fifty-three. <laughs> okay. And so we're not going to go through the whole chapter, but yeah, let's just quickly see. Okay, let's, let's look at this. This is exactly the same thing. See, who's believed our report? To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Carry on, just next verse every time. Who, to whom is it? He shall grow up before him as a tender plant. Go to the next verse. And boy, this wall is slow. He is what? Oh, he is? But this is 900 years before it happened. Isaiah is writing as if it's already taken place. He is despised and rejected of men, man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces. This is the King James. Uh, I mean, the Amplified, so that's why it sounds a little loud. Uh, And we esteem him not. Next verse. And (laughs) surely he hath. You remember who wrote this? This is Isaiah that wrote this before it was. Before it was, he already said, he hath. You see, that's the Genesis 2 principle. He was wounded. He was bruised for our iniquities. And that's way before it happened. But you understand, that's why I said everything that happened in the Old Testament was a shadow of things to come. In other words, this shadow already speaks of something that already was. See, if you look at the straight line and you look at, you know, oh, Calvary still has to happen. You know, this is just prophetic. No, that's not prophetic. It's a statement of fact. It's already happened. When was Christ slain? When was he slain? Before the foundation of the world. So, that's what Paul teaches. He was Slain before the foundation of the world. It's on the wheel. And so the wheel just had to roll until it got to that part of the dispensation. But that's just for man's sake. In God's eyes, it's already happened. And the prophet stood there and God gave him revelation. It's already happened. Come on, give God another praise offering. My God. Wow. I'm going to give you just a brief version of my testimony. And uh, if you want the rest, you'll have to buy it. 1996, I fell off a, of a, a four-story building. Uh, I was helping a church put a roof on a building. And one of the deacons pulled me off by accident. I think it was by accident. I'm scared of deacons. <laughs> and so... I fell four stories when I hit the ground. I was dead on the spot. I mean, I was dead. D-E-D. I fell the A out of dead. I I fell hard. Broke 42 bones in my body, but I was dead. I woke up in Beulah Land. I was in paradise just like I see you here right now. And it took 15 minutes for the ambulance guys to get there. And the 15 minutes, you know, I'm... Now in Bureau land, I'm in eternity. It was just enormous. But then I'm, I'm now walking towards the Crystal River. And my dad, a man I adopted here in the States, he came and asked the ambulance man, is he dead? They'd already pulled the sheet over my face. Ambulance man said, yeah, he's dead. And then my dad asked him with no smile, how dead is he? Later on, when I talked to him, he said, I just wanted to know if that ambulance man thought he was too dead for God. And the ambulance man didn't get it. He just said, he is as dead as a doornail. (laughs) And so my dad asked him to just stand aside. And so my dad straddled my body. And called upon the God of heaven and said, God, you are in charge even over the dead. You raised up Lazarus, now raise up my son. I came back, I mean, I went into reverse quick in Land and came into a body with incredible pain. And I couldn't move. I mean, everything was shattered. My arms, the bones were sticking out of my arms, my legs. Everything was broken. My ribcage had collapsed. And so all I could do was cry out from underneath a sheet. Ambulance man is standing right here. And I said, take this sheet from my face. <laughs> he went airborne. <laughs> Up until then, he was very Critical, critical, critical. Didn't think that could be possible. But they then got in a hurry and they loaded me into the ambulance. I mean, splintered my arms and my legs, loaded me in the ambulance. Somebody didn't tie the other stretcher down and didn't close the door proper. And when that ambulance pulled away, the door opened and that stretcher went flying out of the ambulance right under the wheels of an 18-wheeler truck. And I cannot move. I'm splinted. And all I could do is lift my head up. I said, God, I'm going to die a second time here today. <laughs> so they rushed me to the hospital. And then when I got to the hospital, the doctor said, no, this is too big for us, small little hospital. You've got to get into a big, uh, big hospital. and You've got to do it now. And so they pushed me out of the little room. And somebody didn't steer very well. And they caught this arm in the door as they pushed out in a hurry. And they broke this arm, the elbow the other way. I mean, just totally destroyed it. Murphy and all his family was there that day. (laughs) Oh, my. Well you got to listen to the rest of it on tape but you know i want to tell you this a a time followed after that which lasted almost 9 years on the wheel of god where the only way i could survive was on pain pills Infection, perpetual for infection that they couldn't get healed. It was uh, MRSA infection. It just couldn't get, I mean, it's just horrible. They tried to save this, the rest of the elbow couldn't do it. And they finally had to just, you know, cut it out because it was rotting. And so all they could do is we'll make it stiff. Put a rod in there, put a rod in there. Cut all of this out, no bone. There's no bone here and then put an anchor bolt in the middle so I have a 35-degree bend in the arm. I can move the wrist, but not this. You know, that's when God gave me this message. What is needed has already been done. And God gave me this. I said, you mean you have another elbow for me already before the foundation of the world? Yeah. Whatever you need has already been. I made every plant before it grew. Before Calvary was, it already happened. Before your arm you know, is going to be healed. It already was healed. And you may as well stop this pain pill. I was totally addicted to pain pills. I mean, totally. You can understand, nine years of narcotics. And then they keep on moving you stronger, stronger, stronger. And then I said, Lord, I get it. I told my doctor, I'm not taking any more narcotics. No more infection medicine, antibiotics. He said, you'll die. Right here on the left arm is right here. But your heart, you'll die. And if you don't take something for the pain after this operation, we're doing the operation, we're cutting all this out. And if you don't take something for the pain, you will die with blood pressure. I came out of that hospital. None of you have ever had an uh, operation. I mean, when you come out of the operating room, that pain hits you like a, a, a sledgehammer. And then they'll give you morphine or whatever to, you know, to calm the pain. And when I came out there, I said to the doctor, no pain medicine. He said, uh, you'll have to sign a document. You refused treatment. I signed the document. Fell asleep. Slept for almost 48 hours. When I woke up, there was no pain. There's no infection. I mean, it's been gone before the foundation of the world. My arm was still stiff. Just like this. I said, Lord, now for the rest of the wheel. Turn the wheel. And then Brother Shambuk prayed, prayed with me. I said, Brother Shambuk, God has a, an elbow for me. He said, I know it. I said, well, let's go and get it. <laughs> he prayed over me, and the next day, because I went home, you know, when God gave me that revelation, I went home, I said, that's it, my elbow is there. And the next day, I mean, I'm standing in in, in church, and with my hand in my pocket like this, I got used to doing it. And when all of a sudden, I feel vibration over my shoulder, and I took my arm out, and I found out that it had come loose, just like it is now. And when I bent it like this, there's bone in there. (laughs) Then I went to the doctor. He couldn't believe it. He said, that's not even possible. Something went wrong. I said, for the first time in nine years, doctor, something went right. He took the x-ray. He said, I think your body digested that anchor bolt. It's missing. It up until today, it's gone. He said, God took shortcut. Now he's talking about God. God took shortcut. He grew this bone down grew that bone up, and gave me a hip joint. You know, hip joints work like this, see? is <laughs> like my arm, see? Can bend anyway, look there. Then I mean. <laughs> we serve, serve a great God. He's got a sense of humor, that is for sure. God has got a sense of humor. Stand with me.